This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Mary Pass, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas where we uncover the truth one guest at a time for those who dare to seek Veritas is the place where they shall find I'm your host Mel Fabregas and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again and if this is your first time make yourself at home I want to thank all our members as always you are keeping Veritas alive tonight's special guest is the Honorable Paul Hellier former Canadian Minister of Defense. He will discuss his new book, Light at the End of the Tunnel, a survival plan for the human species. I'm always looking for solutions, and he has lots of them. Paul Hellier will be with us shortly. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. Veritas survives on your voluntary subscriptions only. You will receive immediate access to this and all our past and future shows. Just head on over to our website, VeritasShow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. The fall and winter seasons are coming, and you know what that means. Get your MMS right from us. And I've been searching for products and services that I believe in, and uh, hopefully put them on our website. 
And I just found a source for thousands of health supplements at a very discounted price. So go to our website and take a look. If you buy supplements anywhere else, you're paying too much. So click on the link and find out. And if you need to get in touch with me, go to our website and click on the contact button and join me on Facebook. According to the Honorable Paul Hellyer, former Canadian Minister of Defense, elements of the United States Armed Forces have developed exotic energy sources at the massive underground installations in Nevada and Arizona and have been hiding this from the public for years, if not decades. Full disclosure of this secret information is essential for society to end its reliance on oil. Even the cost of a fast transition would be enormous. In his book, Light at the End of the Tunnel, Paul Hellyer provides a detailed financial plan that would provide nation-states with the financial flexibility to effect this transition. Essentially, all they would have to do is use the power that their constitutions provide. If you want to stay in the status quo, stop this audio now. If you want to help change the world, don't go anywhere. Paul Hellyer is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. right here on the very test show is supplied by the independent artists from jamendo.com if you hear a song you like go over to our homepage veritasshow.com click on the guest look up the song and download it you can even buy the group's cds in many cases right there at jamendo.com Paula Harris. I can handle the truth, and I'm ready for disclosure. The Honorable Paul Hellyer was Canada's youngest member of Parliament when he was first elected in 1949, and the youngest cabinet minister appointed to Louis S. Saint Laurent's government eight years later. Although Hellyer is best known for the unification of the Canadian Armed Forces and for his 1968 chairmanship of the Task Force on Housing and Urban Development, he has maintained a lifelong interest in macroeconomics. This led him to Form Action Canada, a populist movement dedicated to the concepts of full employment and low inflation with an emphasis on quality of life issues. Through the years, as a journalist and political commentator, he has continued to fight for economic reforms and has written several books on the subject. In recent years, he has become interested in the extraterrestrial presence and the superior technology that we have been emulating. In September 2005, he became the first person of cabinet rank in the G8 group of countries to state unequivocally, UFOs are as real as the airplanes flying overhead. And directly from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I have the pleasure to introduce the Honorable Paul Hellier. Hello, Mr. Hallier, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Good afternoon. It's nice to be with you. It's an honor and a pleasure having you on, sir. And uh, it's not that frequent that we have a former Minister of Defense join us, so we are very privileged, and I hope that we can discuss a lot of topics within the next two hours. And for those who may not be familiar with you, please give us some background 
of yourself. Although the topic of UFO is something you started discussing publicly not that long ago, what circumstances triggered you to start talking about this? Well, if you're talking about the UFOs, it was really um, a friend who kept sending me information about it and uh, hoped that I would read it. And for a long time, I didn't have time. But eventually, uh, one of the books he sent me uh, appealed to me, and I took it for uh, a vacation. I'd been intending to do this for a year or so, but never got around to it and could never, I could never find it. It was a beautiful disappearing book. Whenever I wanted it, it was never there. <laughs> so in 2006, I guess, at five, and when I was looking for another book that I decided to read for my, on my vacation, uh, I couldn't find it. And lo and behold, The Day After Roswell by Philip Corso mm. was staring me in the face. So I decided that would be a perfect book for my vacation reading, and I took it with me. And uh, one thing led to another from there on. And it's interesting you mentioned uh, the late Colonel Corso because I recently did an interview with somebody, I cannot disclose the name yet for multiple reasons, but he received information from a, a retired Air Force colonel who validated everything that Colonel Corso has said. And as you know, there has been a lot of debunking, a lot of ridicule for what Colonel Corso had said, but this person validates, and I hope the audience listens to this show. And you have written many books. Just just on that point, before you leave it, Mel, the, my, best yes. sor my best sources say uh, the same thing. Um, they, of course, there are, there are minor things uh, in the book, uh, which was uh, ghostwritten by somebody else. Uh, but as far as the... Bill Burns? Yeah, as far as the substance is concerned, that uh, Colonel Corso was right on the ball. During your tenure as, uh, and this is a question that just popped in my mind right now, during your tenure as the, the Minister of Defense, did you come into contact with any information that you've never disclosed before as it relates to uh, UFOs or, or the technology? Not really. I got um, um, reports on sightings, as I guess all ministers do, and I would take a quick glance at them, and about 80% of them... Uh, were natural phenomena, or so they said, and about 20% were just uh, unexplained. And this is what I've found since uh, from talking to other people, such as Nick Pope in the, the United Kingdom, for example, is a fairly close to what happens in other jurisdictions, that about four out of five are, um, are natural phenomena. But the fifth one is, uh, is something that was never explained. And it is in that area that, of course, we've been uh, looking and working, and uh, other people have been working on it for decades, identifying the fact that there were, in fact, uh, uh, unidentified flying off uh, objects, uh, flying saucers, visiting the Earth for a long, long time, certainly the last 60 years, but probably for millennia. And uh, so th this is now a given fact. When I, when I read uh, Corso's book, I was, of course, uh, at that time an agnostic, I guess, although I had seen the two-hour documentary on ABC that uh, Peter Jennings had put together, and it was very convincing, I thought. He had a lot of yes. policemen and uh, pilots and former government officials who all said that uh, they had experienced something personally. Well, there were a lot of witnesses, and you can't just ignore that many people. They're, they didn't go on the program to uh, 
to make up fairy tales. And um, so I had been influenced by that. And then as I read Corso's book, I said to myself, is this, uh, is this fiction? I don't read much fiction, but I'd read the previous year, I'd read The Life of Pi. I don't know how many of your listeners have read that or not, but it's one of those quite incredible books that until you get to the last few pages, you're never quite sure in your mind whether it's, whether it's fiction or whether it's fact. And it's only when you get to the end, you realize that it is, in fact, fiction. And I said to myself, could this be another Life of Pi? And the conclusion, the strong conclusion was, no, it can't, because I recognized from my defense days <clears throat> the places and the, and the people that Corso was mentioning, that he was talking about. And these were real to me. And I said, no, this, this is the, the real thing. Well, then, and this story is, is well known, as I was reading it, sitting by the lake, my nephew, Philip, came along and asked me what I was reading. I told him, and he said, well, I'm a skeptic. And I suppose a free country, you can think what you like. Sure. Um, but he went home, and two days later, he phoned me and, um, and said that he had called the general, as he called him, who was a retired United States Air Force general that he knew, and uh, told him what I was reading. And the general said, every word is true and more. And so uh, that was just sort of the, the the icing on the cake as far as I was concerned to have the, uh, the I guess, conviction was the word to, to go public. But before I did, I got uh, uh, the general's telephone number from Philip. I had met him myself a couple of years earlier, and I gave him a call, and uh, Philip had given him a heads up that I would be calling and uh, he just started right out by saying every word is true and more. And we spent uh, 20 minutes or so talking about the end more, which included the fact, uh, as he stated, that there had been uh, face-to-face um, meetings between U.S. officials and visitors from other pla- planets or uh, star systems. And uh, with that kind of, uh, of validation, I felt absolutely comfortable um, in going public because I felt that there were policy issues and I'm not a ufologist, I'm not a, an expert in this field, and in my book, as you know, there's just one chapter on this subject. It's sort of a primer, although I'm told by a lot of people that it, you know, it has quite a lot of information in it for, for people who are not familiar with the subject or who themselves are agnostics or skeptics, and it, uh, it helps to convince them that the whole, the whole thing is real and not, uh, not make-believe. But... Um, this was uh, this was sort of the the scenario that got me involved. Is what are the United States Air Force doing? Are they are they still treating aliens as uh, as enemy alien? And uh, and what kinds of weapons are they developing now with alien technology that uh, might be used against the aliens? And all of these sorts of things. And uh, I said this is this is a big public debate. Uh, especially in the United States, or should be, but also worldwide, because what is done in these areas could affect the whole world. So that's what really propelled me into uh, into going public. And of course, once I did, then I got information from all over the world, books of all kinds and documents, some classified, some not. A lot of bunk, but uh, an awful lot of real uh, pure weed as well. And people calling me and giving me their own personal experience Experiences and then uh, uh, people who were really knowledgeable in the business wanting to brief me, which they did, and they, you know, included Stephen Greer and uh, and um, <clears throat> all 
all sorts of people who really knew their stuff and told me about their experiences and some of the things that uh, they had uh, learned over long, long periods of time. And you have uh, plenty of people listed in that chapter in your book. You have Captain Robert Salas. But I have to ask you, the more that the general explained to you, can you share a little bit of what he said? And uh, did you discuss why the truth embargo continues after 60 plus years? He didn't go into specifics because I think he still felt um, bound by his um, by his oath. Right. So he he told me as much as he could without uh, without going into specifics. You know, um, met on a certain airfield on a certain day and all that sort of thing. Of course, I've read a lot about that sort of situation since, and uh, and I can't validate it, so I don't talk about it very much. But I know, I know that uh, there have been meetings, and then of course I know that. Uh, that at least one and probably two or more groups of extraterrestrials have been providing uh, technology to uh, United States forces. And you have written many books. Uh, your latest one, which will be the focus on tonight's uh, discussion, is called Light at the End of the Tunnel, a survival plan for the human species. Give us a summary of the book. Why did you write it? And is there any backstory that inspired you to write it? Yes. Um, the First, the reason that I went into uh, politics... Uh, more than 60 years ago, was because I was a child of the Depression. And I lived through a period when there was uh, abstract uh, poverty, you know. I had a cousin who later became the best man at my wedding, who was an insurance salesman. He was so poor that um, when he wore out the soles of his shoes, he couldn't afford to have them half-soled. He just put cardboard in the bottom. Ah. These were desperate times, you know. So this this burned uh, a spot on my soul, which never has gone away. And um, so after I went to university to sort of get even with the government for wasting my time, uh, first in the Air Force and then in the Army, I, uh, I decided to uh, try and find out why there have, has to be recessions and depressions. So I asked my professors at university, and they could never give me straight answers. And uh, so uh, I finally figured it out for myself and decided it was a a really silly monetary and banking system and that it had to be changed. And so uh, I entered politics uh, with the idea of trying to change it. It's interesting you, you mentioned that. When I was in college, I remember asking an economy professor, when he was explaining how banks create money. And when I asked him to explain, he really could not explain in a way that we understood it. And now we, of course, know that there's a Federal Reserve and many people, and we'll talk about this throughout the show because I think it's crucial, think that the Federal Reserve is an inclusive entity in the United States, but that's not the case. Many other countries have the equivalent there. But first, how is your book different than others out in the market, and what needs does your book meet that makes it a must-read for someone to read? Well, the, the purpose of the book is really to explain, I think, um, in fairly simple terms, the, the three things that have to be done to save the planet as a hospitable habitat for the human species. And um, I, I've been concerned, uh, and this too is fairly recent, I'm very concerned about uh, about global warming, and I'm very concerned about the job that the oil industry has done in the United States in muddying the waters about the science, 
because if you if you really look at the uh, the best science available, it is absolutely incontrovertible. The, the thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.